I didn't realize that we had planned our annual meeting. For those that are visiting, this is our annual meeting. Don't, don't think you're about to enter into a business meeting. It'll happen after the worship service. But our, we planned our annual meeting on the very same Sunday as the church's designation of the last, second to last service of Epiphany uh, to be World Mission Sunday, something Archbishop Foley has asked that we, we make the next to last Sunday in Epiphany, World Mission Sunday. And I thought, man, if I had known that, I would have said insistently, we have to have the annual meeting on World Mission Sunday, right? Because otherwise, what are we doing if we're not focusing and concentrating and preparing ourselves and setting our minds to be about the mission of God in the world? So what an awesome occasion. So if you've come for the first time, great Sunday to come. You're going to hear of the Great Commission. You're going to hear about God's mission to us and to the, into the world. But if you're a Servants of Christ person who comes week in, week, week in and week out, you're also going to have another opportunity to, to refocus, to resharpen our resolve to be about the mission that Christ has called us to in the world. Amen? Amen. Well, let me just uh, look with this passage with you for a little bit. It should be really known to you, the Great Commission passage in Matthew 28. But notice there's a similarity between what Jesus says in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, and what God says to Abram, who of course had his name changed to Abraham, as he tells Abram that he's going to make a great nation of him, a people group of him. And he says, I will bless you, Abram. I will bless your, your offspring, and you will be a blessing. And he says, I will curse those who curse you, but through you all the nations, all the peoples of the world will be blessed. Now, of course, where's Alan Cox? Our world history professor, teacher there, Alan knows that. You think he's counting the children right now. But, but Alan would tell us that there were no nation states at the time that Jesus was proclaiming this, obviously not at the time of Abram as well. It's the word nation really means people groups, tribes, and tongues, all the various tribal tongues and people groups of the entire world. And what God says to Abram is that I'm going to bless the peoples of the world through you, ultimately looking to the person of Jesus, to, to the coming of Jesus who was the descendant of Abraham and would be the blessing to the world. People say, is Christianity not an exclusive kind of a claim? No, it's not exclusive at all. I mean, it's not inclusive at all. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it isn't exclusive. Sorry, I'm getting my words mixed up. It, it is inclusive. It's not exclusive whatsoever because Jesus is to be a blessing to all peoples, tribes, and tongues. That's what Abram has declared to him from God in Genesis chapter 12. It's the beginning of the call, not only of Abram, but of his descendants, of you and I, his spiritual descendants, to be a blessing to people as we go forth, wherever we go into the world, starting wherever we are, to the very ends of the earth, which is why World Mission Sunday has picked this scripture from Genesis 12 to be our Old Testament lesson. Our purpose statement as Christians is to be on mission with God. He is a missionary God. God comes seeking Adam and Eve in the garden 
Where are you after they have sinned? They've rebelled against him. And God comes to each and every human being saying, where are you? Where are you? Seeking to bring us back to himself. He's a missionary God and he calls his people, starting with Abram, forward to be missionary people, to be those who would be called to go and be a blessing. Now, if you know anything about the history of Israel, the Israelites didn't really get that part of it. They got that they were God's special people, that they were blessed, and they thought they were to keep that blessing to themselves. Boy, doesn't that sound a lot like the church? We're God's special people. After all, if you want to be a part of us, if you can find us, you can do it, but it's ours. But the call was to be a blessing, not just to be blessed. Now you fast forward to the Great Commission. Jesus speaking in the end of Matthew's Gospel, the very last few verses, and Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, let me explain something to you. Jewish people are very intentional with their words, okay? When he says, go and make disciples of all nations, it is not a coincidence. He is remembering the call of Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And he says, you are going to be the fulfillment of that promise and that declaration to Abram way back in Genesis 12 that you're to go forward and be that blessing. You're to proclaim me to all nations, to all peoples, tribes, and tongues. And you are to be a blessing to those I send you. And you're to make disciples as you go. Now, just think about the Great Commission. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you probably know this this end portion of Matthew's gospel. It's very, very famous. It's preached a lot. I realize that even as I get up to preach it again before you. But the point has to be made that we have to be a disciple of Jesus before we can make disciples. Now, why do I have to say that? Well, because there is, unfortunately, a lot of people in the church who don't understand that who think that because they believed in Jesus, they are then called to go make disciples, not realizing that unless they're growing in discipleship, they don't have anything with which to make those disciples. We have to be a disciple before we can make a disciple. It's the idea that somehow Jesus can be our Savior without also calling Him Lord. The promise to forgive sins cannot be separated from Jesus' call to take up his yoke and to learn from him, which is why Jesus says, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey or to observe all that I've commanded. The word in the ESV today. To take up the yoke and to be forgiven, they go hand in hand. To call Jesus Savior and to call him Lord go hand in hand. And to be a disciple means we understand both. Well, what is a disciple? I'm in love with the definition that I've 
gotten from Dallas Willard. I've been quoting Dallas Willard the last few weeks. I've been reading a book with Dallas Willard. A men's group is reading a book by Dallas Willard. This is how Dallas describes discipleship. Apprentices of Jesus, his followers, who have trusted Jesus with their whole life as much as they're aware, as much as they're aware, they've trusted Jesus with their whole life and therefore want to learn everything he has to teach them about the kingdom of God and to seek to constantly be with him learning these things, learning to live their lives as Jesus would if he was them or if he was they is actually what it says. Let me read that one more time. A disciple has trusted Jesus with their whole life as much as they're aware and therefore wants to learn everything he has to teach them about the kingdom of God and to seek to constantly be with him and to learn how to be his disciple. Learning how to live their lives as Jesus would live it if he was they. Now, is that the definition of discipleship that you were taught as an early baby Christian? Maybe Maybe not. But I believe that's in line with the teachings of Jesus. That's why it's so hard for us to hear scriptures like, if anybody would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And we go, oh, wow, where did that come from, Jesus? It came from the command to, if we're going to be his disciples, his followers, then we're going to have to learn to live life as Jesus would live it if he was us. That's what discipleship means. Now, before that seems overwhelmingly hard and not good news at all, let me tell you that it is a long-term process to become a fully mature disciple of Jesus. It, in fact, it, it, it will take us probably to our dying breath. We'll continually be growing in that. But the point is that we are to be growing from this moment until that, for however long that is. I think sometimes when we think about discipling other people, we get a little frustrated with them, don't we? We get short on patience and we wish they were further along. But as I was thinking about that a few days ago, it, I was reminded of the people that could have easily given up on me and my early discipleship. And boy, I'm so glad that they didn't, you know, turn me out and quit investing in me just because I showed little promise in those early days. How about you, right? It's a slow, lifelong process. Oftentimes, we can't, we were talking in the men's group the other day, you can't really look back and say, well, how have I changed from last week or last month? You have to look back 5, 10, 15, 20 years and say, how has God brought me along over a long, slow process of discipleship. We have to be a disciple in order to make disciples. But having understood that we are to be disciples, the call goes on. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not far enough along. I can hear the question in some of your minds. Well, when I'm a little more mature as a disciple, then I'll start discipling. But Jesus doesn't put that caveat in, the, in, the, in his command, does he? He just says, when you're ready, disciple, then go make disciples. He says, go 
Literally, as you are going, as you're going about your work, as you're going about your family, as you're going about your leisure, and as you're going about your rest, go, and as you go, make disciples. Invite people to be my apprentices, my followers, to trust me with their whole life, and to spend their lives being close to me and learning what it means all that I've said and taught them. As a disciple, as an early disciple, as a, as a baby disciple, all you have to do is begin to say, this is what I've learned and thus far in my life with Jesus. This is what, and this is what I'm working on. This is, this is how I'm understanding it. And all the things you don't understand, you Direct them back to the teachings of Jesus because after all, that is where our hearts and minds are to be anyway. So we don't have to wait. We begin where we are. Discipling the next person. Sharing what we know with the one who's next to us. Now we can't do it in our own strength, which is why Jesus is so important what Jesus says at the end of the verses, after he gives them the command to go and make disciples, he says, and I will be with you till the ends of the earth. There used to be an old joke, and lo, I'll be with you. So, you know, that was the old King James. So the idea was don't get an airplane because he's not with you high. He's only with you low. But I know it's bad, so I don't tell jokes. But <laughs> I got to keep you woken up, so I got to do something, right? Um, that or, or magic tricks, something. But... Um, we don't do this in our own strength. But Jesus says, I, lo, I will be with you to the ends of the earth. He, he goes with us. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples, implying that we go in his authority. We go in his name, in his authority, and he promises to go with us. And as we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, yes, that means the sacrament that we, we do here at the church, but it also means we're immersing people in the life of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're teaching them what it means to live in fellowship with the Trinity, the community of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We talked about it in confirmation uh, with confirmation on Wednesday night, this idea that we're invited to the life of God, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, learning, immersing ourselves in that. We don't do it in our own strength, but we have a part to play. So the point, we are not just called to be disciples. We're called to make disciples. This has to be the work of our congregation. Sadly enough, Oftentimes, and this is surprising to me, but as I, I've been a pastor now for, good gosh, how many years? I don't know. 17? 18? 18 years. I, I realize that oftentimes it's not the focus of our churches. We're so focused on the externals, the doing, that we forget that we're to be being, making disciples, being disciples of Christ, and calling others into discipleship as well. We are about that work, and we have to be about that work as possible, which is why as servants we've adopted a core purpose that says our purpose is to make disciples learning to do all that Jesus said. Really original, isn't it? Not original at all. 
because Jesus spelled it out so clearly. We're simply saying we want to be about that. We want to be about making disciples. The very thing that I read a few minutes ago. And so what do we do? We, we do that work of ministry. Last week, Bishop Martin Menz was with us, and he did a, an amazing job of saying this, this job description that Jesus says, this, you know, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's, he's brought me to preach good news to the poor, to, to, sight to the, bring sight to the blind, healing to those who are sick, release from the captives, declaring the year of the Lord's favor. All those things that Martin talked about is our job description as Christians. Well, this is the, the mission statement of, of us as Christians. We're to do those things, but as we do them, we're also to teach others how to do them with us. So in the community, we, we partner with local ministries and we, we go out in our own bodies to, to serve the poor and to proclaim release to captives and Kairos ministry and, 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 and working with CCC and GCM and all these other acronyms that represent local ministries in our city. We do those things because we, we're to be about the job that Jesus has called us to. But then we also partner with people who can go to places we can't go. People like the McHughes who work with 450 international missions workers, reaching some of the unreached people groups of the world, going to places like Turkey to work with Iranians, but other places as well, even harder to get to places. Folks like the Borgmans, people like Bishop James working in the remotest part of West Kenya to bring life, to bring healing to proclaim captives free and, and the year of the Lord's favor, all those things, we partner with those who can go where we can't. Just recently, we commissioned a new partnership with uh, uh, Lauren and Linda Fox, a, a, a former priest and his wife who now are gone to Southeast Asia, and they're, they're placed in Southeast Asia so that they can minister to other people groups. I can't even say them because we're on Facebook live and because we record our sermons. I can't even tell you the places, but you can imagine the places that they're going to reach tongues and tribes and people groups that have no language, the Bible in their language, that have no known churches, they have no known Christians, no pastors, no teachers in their own language. We partner with those who go to those ends of the earth places. And then sometimes we don't just send other people out, we actually send our own. Bishop Jim Hobby used to say, we will either send our children as missionaries or we will send our grandchildren as slaves. And he can tell historical accounts of how God got his missionary work done through people like Patrick. Remember, Patrick was an English person, he was an Anglo-Saxon, and what happens Patrick is kidnapped by those dirty Irish, and they take him off to Ireland. I can say that because I have Irish descent. And what does God do in Patrick? Well, in his slavery, he begins to have a heart for God's people in Ireland. And thank God, he goes back. When he's released, he escapes. He goes back to Ireland to do the work of an evangelist, becomes a priest and a bishop, ultimately, and brings the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to Ireland. I, 
so we said, I've lost my thought there, but because it's just so powerful to think, but, but we send our kids. So my Samantha, Blair Grace Gary, Kieran Kirby, where is Kieran? Kieran right over here, working sound and playing drums. We're sending Kieran to the ends of the earth come next summer. He's going to go off on an agape year, be trained and be, be serving Christ around the world, going to places that most of us can't go. This is the calling of us as a congregation to carry on that work wherever God may call us to students in high schools, to those who have physical and and mental learning challenges through Capernaum work at at Young Life, through through working with, with people who are homebound, by working with people who are in prison and, and at Grace Marketplace, people who are trapped in addictions, people who are simply trapped in the, the prison of their own isolation as successful middle-class Americans. Lord, wherever you call us, Lord, we want to go. But the calling has to always be, as we're going, we're discipling others to go along with us, which is why year by year you hear emphasis on things like studying Scripture, embedding Scripture in our lives, learning to read Scripture daily for ourselves, learning to encounter God through prayer on a daily basis in our own individual lives before we go out and do our work, whatever it might be, of learning to find our area of ministry, because this is the call of disciple-making, of not just doing the things, but helping others to learn to do the things that Jesus has said, and growing in our dependence upon him. I love the fact that we live in a city where Shan's UF now, UF Health, is one of the major employers and major um, components of our community. Because if you, you don't know this, what I love about Shan's is that Shan's is a teaching hospital. Jody is not here this morning. She had surgery on her wrist. And um, so funny, they don't put you to sleep when they operate on your wrist, which is a little scary to me. But she's in a twilight medicine, and they've done a local anesthetic. So, uh, anesthetic. Anesthetic? Okay. So I'm looking to Ethan to make sure I'm right. Okay. So she's not completely asleep, and her surgeon, Dr. Chechi, is, who's an expert in this wrist surgery, he is explaining to his residents what he's doing. He's in his 70s, so he's got to teach these young bucks how to do this because he's not going to be able to do this forever and ever. Well, Jody overhears him talking and begins to say to the, to the technicians, could you lower that screen? Dr. Chechi is talking to me, and I need to interact with him about what he's saying. So she, in her twilight, had mistaken that he was talking to her. Not understanding, I had to explain to her later, babe, those are probably teaching residents. That she, he, was, he was teaching them. He's the best. The guy's a machine, his, his residents tell me. He can crank out 15, 20 surgeries a day. But eventually, you'll have to give up surgery, right? And what if he can train five other surgeons to be even 80% of as good as he is? Well, then he's multiplied himself five times. And so on and so on. Shans is a teaching hospital. So we're not just doing ministry, but we're bringing people along. Sometimes people get frustrated with me. They say, this is my ministry. I say, great. Who are you teaching to do that ministry? And they say, well, I don't need anybody. I can do it all by myself. And I said, you've missed the point. Discipleship is about bringing along someone else. If Rick Gary had not 
brought David Lacanino along, David would not be up leading music on Sunday morning. Discipleship is about bringing along the person next to us. This, folks, is the call. This is the mission, Jesus says. If the work of Jesus that Martin talked about last week is the job description, this is the mission we're called to. Sometimes, I'm just going to hit this point one more time. Some people say, well, Alex, you can do it better than me. I go, first of all, it's wrong. There's some of you that do a far better job of ministering to people in situations than I can. And you need to know that. But even if I could do it better in that moment, we've missed the point. I can maybe touch 250 people. But if a hundred of you, and there are more than a hundred of you in this room right now, if a hundred of you minister to ten people, you can reach a thousand people. You've just expanded the work of ministry fourfold. And that's a conservative approach because I know Ramona Chance ministers to more than ten people. And many of you do the same thing. It's the calling to not just do the external works, as important as they are, but to also be about the work of discipling. Can you tell this is passion for me? This is important to me. I think this is a place that we have to constantly be brought back and reminded of the work. I know it's hard. The first time somebody told me at All Souls in Jacksonville that I needed to be discipling other people, it intimidated the heck out of me. But then what I realized is that it's not about a formula or a method or a set of 100 things you have to teach your disciple. It's being with people and just speaking into their lives, listening to them, sharing what has worked with you, and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us in any way he wants to. This is the work of discipleship. Well, two things and I'm done. First, my expectation, the expectation of our leaders at service is that if you're a member of this parish, you're going to grow in discipleship, that you're going to begin to do the things that Jesus did and would do if he was living your life. You need to know that. That's the expectation. And I've seen it in too many lives to not know that God won't do it again. So know that if you're here, if you're going to be a part of this, know that that's going to be an expectation. We're going to, we're going to expect that. We're not, going to, we're not going to make you, but we're going to pray and we're going to have an expectation that you'll be able to do the things that Jesus did and that you'll heal the sick and care for the poor, and that you'll proclaim freedom to the captives, and you'll do those things that Jesus put in our job description. And secondly, you need to know that we're going to be about making disciples. That is why we exist. Whether we're in this building or in that building, we're going to be about that. We're going to be intentional about that. About looking for ways, yes, to minister to people in Jesus' name. To care for them. To care for whoever it is that you're called to care for. 
but in the midst of that to say to people, the reason I'm caring for you, the reason I am am here, the reason I'm demonstrating love to you is because of the love of Jesus Christ in me. Wouldn't you like to be his follower too? That's the part that we have to remember to make that invitation. Wouldn't you like to be his disciple too? Knowing Christ more and more, making him known from here to the ends of the earth, that more and more girls and boys, women and men, may be invited to be his disciples. Those who place their whole life in his care and learn to be with him, learning to do all that he has said. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.